of course, I would love to walk again if I had the possibility to, to, to turn back time. I guess I would stay like this instead. Olympic Channel Podcast. That was Swedish alpine skier Thomas Fogdo. Hi, I'm Ash Tullock and welcome to the official Olympic Channel podcast. Each week we speak to incredible athletes and tell their stories. And the man we're talking to today, he exemplifies what it means to be an Olympic role model. Olympic Channel podcast. Just imagine that you're one of the best slalom skiers in the world at 24 years of age. You've clinched your first Slalom World Cup title and competed at two Olympic Games, coming fifth both times. Things are really going great. Then, on a clear winter's day, you're skiing and you're doing what you love. Until it all goes horribly wrong. You crash and break your back. This is Thomas Fogdo's story, but it certainly doesn't end there. Alessandro Poggi spoke to Thomas and found that his life after disability has been equally rewarding and beautiful as he gives back to the sport that he loves so much. You're listening to the Olympic Channel Podcast. I was born in, in the northern Sweden, so for me, skiing was quite normal and... Uh, yeah, my biggest idol was Ingemar Stenmark. And I had a dream to be as good as Ingemar Stenmark, but I only won five <laughs> World Cups, so I'm 81 after, uh, behind. So, uh, But skiing has been a big part of my life, uh, at least until the, the accident, but I, I surely love skiing. So things uh, were going well for you. You were one of the best slalom skiers in the world. You won a slalom World Cup, but as you mentioned, there was an accident. The date, 7th February 1995, marked your life. What do you remember about that day? Uh, yeah, it was a normal training day. We should have been uh, on the World Championships, uh, but it was uh, cancelled because of lack of snow. Uh, so we, we ended up in, in order. To, to train uh, and focus on that. And we had a, a great day. Uh, we had a, a slope that was normally not open, really steep. Uh, but to, to get there, you had to go through the, through the woods. And um, uh, I've done the run for three or four times. And the fourth or fifth time, time I, I came too fast, uh, lost my balance and uh, ended up in, in the woods hitting a, a stump uh, with my back and uh, I broke my back and had a spinal cord injury. No injury is good, especially a spinal cord injury. How long did it take you to process how serious your injury was? <laughs> I, I guess I understood uh, right away that it was a bad accident. Uh, didn't want to think that it was a spinal cord injury, although I, I, I lost my, I, I was numb in the, in the lower part of the, of the body. Uh, and in the helicopter from Åre to Östersund and then 
to Umeå, I had the time to think about what what was going on, and I, I understood that this is this is a bad bad injury. Um, but it took about two or three years before I really thought now I understand what all this is. So it was a uh, a long time. I imagine uh, it must be painful for you uh, to talk about that. When uh, you heard the diagnosis, how do you react? I guess it was like everybody else, denial. Uh, I thought the, the doctor was mad when he told me that I will be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. I, I thought uh, this can't be happening. Uh, and I, I knew that this doctor was one of the best surgeries uh, in, uh, in the northern part of, of Europe. So I thought what he did that night was fixing my back. Uh, and at least I could go on with my life, uh, becoming a police officer and all those other dreams that I had. But <clears throat> he, was, he was quite clear. Uh, it was tough, but also I needed to hear that. And the process to, to yeah, get used to the new life started yeah, on that day. So it, it has been tough, but now this is, this is my life, a new one, but still okay. You were only 24. You had a, a whole career ahead of you. Uh, how that event has changed you as a, as a person? Uh, surely in many ways, but um, I guess uh, understanding and yet that life is precious and uh, things happen in life. Uh, I surely will have some other difficulties in life, but I know that I, I can get, go through with them and um, at least live with them. So uh, I guess that's, I, I don't know, I'm quite more calm nowadays than I used to be. Uh, it feels like if I can do that thing, I can do almost everything. So now, I mean, you, you have a different uh, role. You are helping people, you're motivating people, you're advising people. Uh, but at that time, uh, what kind of advice do you think was precious for you? Uh, there were so many, I guess. Yeah, trying to look ahead instead of back. Uh, trying to look on the bright side. Uh, if something good happened that day, look on that one, not on the five or ten things that would, was going the wrong way. Um, I started to, to write a, a, a diary at that, that time and that was absolutely perfect because then I really had to focus on what did I learn today uh, and that was one of the best advice that I, that I got. You say it took two to three years to come to terms with your injury. Was there a moment when you realized that you were at, at peace with your disability? It's a, it's a slow process. but. Um, in a way, I was quite sure after yeah, that long talk with, with, my, with my doctor, at maybe two or three days after my accident, I was quite sure that he, he's right. But knowing all the, what life would be like, it took yeah, maybe 24 years. I don't know yet what 
all the things are. Because when I got become a father nine years ago, it was a new chapter because I thought I was almost knowing what, what to do and how to do it. Uh, but that was only me. And when you get your, your kids, they are the most important in life. And knowing that, okay, I need to uh, change my way of living and uh, being ahead of them. And that's kind of tough. So that was a new chapter. And uh, I guess that's also life. You, you face new um, challenges and trying to figure them out. And the wheelchair is, of course, one of the big challenges of, of my life. Well, uh, your wheelchair clearly hasn't held you back. You're working as a sports psychologist, advisor, a lecturer. What exactly do you do and how have you started this new chapter of your life? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to help people. My dream about being a police officer was also about helping people. Uh, and when I had my accident, I, I, I was really thinking about what, what am I supposed to do now? And uh, it was quite clear that I wanted to help people. All, even if it's in uh, sports or in, in everyday life, I wanted to do something good for, for other people. Um, as we started off the Active Life Foundation to help athletes that uh, having injuries, trying to get them back to their normal uh, sport or become, uh, uh, transferring to uh, a new sport. Um, so that's, I, I guess, what I want is to help people. Uh, and I'm also a, a board member of uh, the Postcode Foundation in Sweden. And we have two, 200 millions a year to um, support uh, excellent uh, projects uh, both in Sweden and abroad. So it's, yeah, I, I love that. It's the perfect thing to do. So you started giving back and helping other people who went through similar issues uh, or injuries to you. Uh, have you noticed that your experience has helped other athletes? I guess uh, every athlete have their own uh, experiences. So I, I can only be there as a, a speaking partner and trying to get them in to know that it's not the end of the world, uh, even if they have to, to finish their, their career. Uh, my experience is that um, many of the, the athletes that are uh, injured, the time that they are injured is not as you might think, it's a waste of time. Many feel more uh, calm uh, and satisfied with their performance afterwards. Um, they have the time to figure out what to do and how to do it. and. Yeah, get it at ease with themselves. So um, it feels like the time off can be quite good. Now it's a bad way of getting the time off, that's for sure. But uh, I think having a pause uh, once in a while isn't that bad. What's the first advice? You, I know situations are different, but if you can mention uh, a couple of advice or the most important advice that you usually give, yet it's it's okay to be angry it's okay to be sad all those feelings are okay and that's you can see the the shoulders going down after hearing that it's it's okay uh, but 
that's the first part of, uh, of the, the whole process. So at least the feelings have them and be okay with them, but also start seeing what you are going to do in the next uh, step. So have your feelings, that's okay. Motivational speaking plays a big part in, uh, in your life. Can you talk us through this process? I, I start off as trying to get people to know that uh, even though you are really successful, you have your own difficulties. Uh, for me, it, it wasn't like uh, I just put my skis on and I was one of the world's best skiers. Uh, I had my difficulties and it feels like sometimes we have the picture of, of people that are successful, like they are gods or something. They are normal human beings. Uh, but what they do to, to be as good as they can, they practice a lot. And it feels sometimes that we, we forget that. Uh, when you're doing some kind of sport, you, you always stop, you try to figure out what happened just now, and trying to do the same thing or a little bit better the next time. And it feels like having the time to stop and think is not that normal in, in this, yeah, the civil world. So like the, the people that I work with, uh, trying to un get the people who listens to understand that I can do a whole lot for myself. And uh, are you working just with athletes that uh, experience like a trauma setback uh, or are also working with other top athletes uh, to motivate them to achieve more? I work with, with everybody. Uh, with those who are having a, a difficult time uh, with an accident or injury, uh, but also with the young people who are uh, on their way up. The youngest one is about 16. In skiing, uh, the mental side uh, is crucial. I mean, you, you can see athletes that mm, perform very well during the World Cup, then at the Olympics and the World Champs, they can't cope with the pressure. What, what, what kind of advice you, you give uh, to skiers uh, to manage the pressure? The toughest thing is that you, you need to be at ease with your own confidence. If you, if you know what to do, if you train with the, almost 100% every day, you know that's, that's what you're going to do. The biggest thing is when you come to the Olympics or the World Championships, uh, if you're not confident enough, you think, okay, I need to be uh, almost above 110%. And it might work, but most of the time it, it doesn't because you haven't trained for 110. You have trained for 100%. Do that instead of doing more. And I guess that's the toughest part. Uh, if you look at the Olympics, uh, when André Mürer won, uh, you had Hirscher and Christoffersen that had a, a great year, but at the Olympics, the pressure is high and they were, yeah, they were supposed to win, either of them. And both of them went out. And I guess that was part of uh, the pressure being too high. Schifrin has also said in, in some interview that it's, it's really tough to be the one that you, you're supposed to win every time. And it's not that easy, not even for, for, for her.
So train well and do what you train. Uh, if you're not good enough at the competition, go home and train more. You know many skiers, even personally. For example, Mirer, he won the, the Olympics at 35, uh, one, one of the oldest. And, and often it, it's, it's happening more and more than even Zvindal. Like experienced people, they win uh, titles uh, uh, despite the age. How do you think that maturity can, uh, can help with the pressure? If you are more mature and like Andre, who has two, two kids and a wife and have a, another life besides the, the skiing, you can in some way uh, talk to yourself and say it's, it's only skiing, although it's important, of course, but it's not all in life. When you're 21 and uh, life is, has just begun in the, in the World Cups, maybe uh, then it's more important and it's almost everything. So I, I guess being more mature and uh, understand that it, it's, it's important, but not everything in life. Your job is motivating people, but who inspired you and why? Uh, who inspired me? There are so many. Uh, to start skiing, it was, of course, Ingemar Stenmark. The greatest skier and person in the world. Uh, if you win 86 World Cups, uh, you're something special. Uh, in Sweden, he, he made the, the whole country stop every time he, he skied. So uh, I grew up uh, watching uh, his skiing and we had this big TV that was rolled in, in the classroom and everyone was watching. Um, so he's, he's special. I grew up with him. And having the privilege to, to learn to know him, uh, he's a great skier, but he's also one of the most friendliest guys that I know. Uh, he's, he sees everybody. Uh, so he's uh, one of the best persons in the world, I think. <laughs> I had a lecture in, uh, in a church, uh, and <laughs> I have this kind of Tourette's with church because I, I start cursing every time I meet George because my parents always said don't curse please don't curse when we're in, in church um, but I didn't curse at any point in that lecture but um, when I had a picture of, of Ingemar and presented it I, I said and here we have the, the God Ingemar Stenmark and saying God in a church instead of the God the real one isn't that good. So, no, he, he's kind of a god to me. He is really, really something special. But mom and dad, really excellent people that every time I had a tough time, they, they asked me, if, do I think this is fun? Do you like what you're doing? And that was a good, good question because then I had to, to think again. And of course it was tough, but it was fun. Uh, so their support have been truly great. My, my little sister is one of my best friends. So um, yeah, I love her. Uh, my family, my wife, my kids. Uh, this will be a long list. <laughs> but um, yeah, there are so many great people out there. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm privileged to have so many people that are so kind and, and trying to, to help me in, in so many ways.
And in the skiing world, uh, what kind of support you received uh, from uh, the skiing family? And are you in touch still with uh, other colleagues, uh, former colleagues? The Swedish guys, of course, they were my, my second or maybe first family. The skiing family was absolutely great because that was one of my biggest fear. Will they just go away? But they, they were there, they, they sent me letters, they uh, sent me a book, they sent me a big picture with all the, the names on. And uh, I remember when I was down in, I guess it was uh, Val d'Isère the year after, uh, meeting all the, the, the guys, that was really something special. So they've been a, a true support and I, I'm so thankful for that. So it sounds like uh, skiing has a close, nice uh, community. Do you still follow the sport? Uh, are you going to follow the World Championships uh, this week in Ore? Yeah, I will be there. So I will see the old guys and the new guys. Uh, and we will have a, a parallel slalom in, uh, for, the, for the oldies uh, and to raise some money for my foundation. Uh, we started off uh, that Active Life Foundation where we helped help other uh, athletes so we will have a yeah, kind of easy one competition but Ingmar will be there so I guess uh, he's a, he likes to compete so I guess it will be serious. Some things uh, never change <laughs> but what, what about skiing? Uh, how has that changed uh, uh, since your days? Yeah skiing has evolved a lot. Uh, the new skis um, the courses are different. Uh, yeah, the, s the snow isn't snow anymore; <laughs> it's ice. Uh, so it's it's different. But um, yeah, it's, I guess it's uh, you have the same challenge as as we had, but um, it has evolved. The skiing, the skis are yeah much better, more fun to watch. At least I think. Who are your favorite skiers nowadays? Uh, I like to see Hirscher. Uh, he, he's aggressive. It's, his run isn't perfect all the time, but he still lets the ski just go. So I think he's a, he's a great skier. And of course, Mikaela Schifrin uh, with a compact and powerful skiing. Um, as a person, André Mürer, uh, he's one of the best person I know. He, he's something special, so, uh, and also a very great skier. The great Ingemar Stenmark has the all-time record for World Cup victories, 86. How much longer do you think this record will last for? <laughs> yeah, let's see. Um, three more years. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, I guess Schifrin... If she continues like this, she will have that record. Uh, I thought Lindsay Vaughn would, would take it, but she was close. I mean, I mean, 82 is extremely good, extremely good. So uh, given the life that you had, the, the work that you are doing, and uh, given how passionate you are about helping other people, if you could turn back time, would you? And would you change anything? If I could turn back time, um, it's a it's a tough question because 
Um, of course, I would love to walk again and have the, the easy part of life. But the experiences from the life after my accident is so important. So if, if I had the possibility to, to, to turn back time, I guess I would stay like this instead. If I got the experiences and to go on with, with the skiing, yeah, okay, that's fine. But I guess that's not the case. So no, I think this is, this is the best way. Olympic Channel Podcast. Another big, big thank you to Thomas for sharing his powerful story. It certainly can't always be easy to tell it, but we really are so grateful uh, that he took the time to speak with us. And a big shout out to Alessandro Poggi for talking to him for this podcast as well. Now, as Thomas mentioned, he's in Sweden for the Ski World Champs this week, and he'll be raising money for his charity, the Active Life Foundation. Now, among other things, they support the care and rehab of athletes who have been seriously injured. So a cause very close to Thomas's heart. And we'll provide a link to that charity on our website as well. Alessandro is also there in order and he's covering the world champs. So you can keep up to date with all the action by following us on social media at Olympic Channel across Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Now, we would also love to hear from you and get your thoughts on this podcast because we think stories like Thomas's are really important and maybe there's someone whose story you think we should be telling. So please do get in touch, let us know. We really do appreciate your feedback. And you can also find me, Ash underscore Tulloch, T-U-L-L-O-C-H, on social media as well. Five star ratings on iTunes, well, they are also very nice and it helps other people find our podcast and spreads the Olympic channel love. So don't forget to do that and don't forget to subscribe because it means that you won't miss an episode and we don't want that to happen. So thanks again to Thomas and to you. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. Think like an Olympian.